Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. There's no doubt the pandemic and all that comes with it has been destructive and divisive. Today, you'll hear First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun give a practical and theological explanation on COVID and vaccinations. Here's Pastor Dan with the sermon, Wisdom from Above. In March of last year, something very interesting um, started happening in New York City. Every night at 7 p.m., instead of the uh, normal alarming sounds of ambulances, sirens, and car horns, and uh, one could instead hear people cheering and yelling and banging on pots and pans every night uh, at 7 p.m. In fact, this nightly ritual became known as the banging of the pots. And citizens of New York City would go to the windows of their apartments and bang on pots and pans and cheer to show their support primarily for healthcare workers on the front lines helping COVID patients. Pretty amazing, huh? It began with the banging of pots, but it grew to people playing instruments or even singing. And one night, Broadway actor, singer Brian uh, Stokes Mitchell, um, who played Don Quixote in Man of La Mancha, sang the impossible dream out of his apartment window. Alicia Keys, who uh, even wrote and recorded a song entitled Good Job to encourage the workers as the movement grew to include all essential workers. I remember when I first saw that song last year, I actually got choked up. I just thought, what a great song. And, and though the, the song was for all essential workers who were at risk to serve um, in serving the community, it was always primarily in people's minds for the banging of the pots to support those who worked in the hospitals and the clinics who put their lives on the line to help those who were battling COVID. But since March 2020, something else happened in our country. As the voices from the health community got louder for people to please get vaccinated because hospitals were getting overrun, there were also loud voices saying that should not be the primary concern. It's the individual's rights in America that should take precedence. And today, a significant minority of the country believes it is an issue of constitutional rights or religion and or health that people should not be forced to be vaccinated. So I'm here to say that I fully respect the rights of Americans to believe that. But this morning, I wanna teach on this vaccine issue from a theological perspective, uh, not from a scientific or health perspective. It's a call for people to have, as the Bible calls it, the wisdom from above, which is saturated with gentleness, mercy, and peacemaking. It's been a a wild last two years of our church preaching against racism and for sustainability and on the issue of climate change and about the capital breach, and now this. We desperately need the wisdom from above in this confusing time. 
Let's read from the Word of God, and in honor of this reading, if you so desire, please stand as I read from the third chapter from the book of James, who is a leader of the church in Jerusalem and also the brother of Jesus, if you'd like to stand here or where you are online, because worship is participatory. So if you're on a park bench, stand up. If you're in the kitchen, put down that mug, stand up. Okay, here it comes. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, please be seated. To pick up from last week's sermon, the Bible sets a high bar for those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus called us to be to to a radical faith in every area of our lives. If we live like everyone else or those who may be agnostic or atheists, then what difference does God make in our life? Unless, of course, faith is just a hobby for us and we are dilettantes, which means we just dabble in Christianity, putting one toe into the pool instead of completely jumping in and going all out for Jesus. Much of what Christ calls us to do is antithetical. It's opposite day from how the secular society thinks. We are to love our enemies, whoa. We are to forgive those who offend us. We are to be generous. We need to care for his creation a lot more than just recycling cans. We are to love the unlovable, even if it means they are poor or unclean or incredibly sexually sinful or dishonest or formerly or presently incarcerated. We fight against injustice. It's a high, high bar. And I know this is what many people are looking for, especially the younger generation. They want to see radical social justice. They don't want to see things just to be same-o, same-o, where we use God so that we can be more famous or more powerful or more rich or have nicer things. All generations want a faith, a Jesus that makes a difference and is different than what the world has to offer. Jesus said that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his social justice. If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. The cross is a willingness to be responsible in all ways following Jesus, even if it means to suffer in doing things according to his kingdom and not society's way. We live in a very difficult time in which many of our friends and family are divided on the threat of COVID and what we should do in response to COVID. 
As a follower of Christ, I ask you in all of your conversations on this issue, or even other issues, to please not be argumentative or mean, but rather to please have the wisdom from above. The key 18th verse in our passage today speaks to this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield in conversations, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. When we talk about this vaccine issue or COVID issue, may it reflect the attributes of God's wisdom from above. The checklist, according to this passage, is are we peacemaking, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, without even a tiny trace of partiality or hypocrisy? But you say, Pastor Dad, no one can do this. I say, oh, but you can do it. I, but you might say, no, no one can do this. And I say, you can, but you're going to need God's power and help to do it. But there is no other way or else you will just sow more discord into your relationships. And if you can't do it this way, then maybe you need to be just quiet. God doesn't give us a list of how we should do things just to frustrate us knowing we can't do them. No, he knows we can, but we have to be committed to do that. Ask for his power and strength to be able to do it. The Bible is not just a manual of impossible things like telling a pole vaulter he or she must vault 50 feet into the air. God is saying pole vault 12 feet. Hard for the average person, but it can be done with discipline and a lot of training. I'm asking for our church to be different than anyone else. I'm asking our church to be peacemakers, not discord dividers, peacemakers. As the last verse in our passage said, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Spread peace, spread pono, Spread righteousness, not hate or anger. You will often hear the argument, well, I believe in science, and the anti-vaxxers don't. I say, no fair. The anti-vaxxers do believe in science. Both sides believe in science. It is just that both sides are interpreting it differently. It depends on what your goal is and how you interpret it. If you believe that science says that vaccines will significantly cut down the possibility that you will get sick from COVID or the Delta variant and that it will be greatly reduce the chance of you having long-lasting symptoms or that you might even die without a vaccine, then you would yell, everyone should get vaccinated, right? However, you can look at the same science and say, look, not everyone is 100% protected either from COVID or the Delta variant after a vaccine, and there are some breakthroughs, so therefore, you should not require it. Both are looking at the same science, but interpretingly different, differently for how they see life. One might say, well, it's not, the vaccines are not 100% protection, like a, a polio or a typhus or diphtheria shot, so don't require it. The other could look at the same scientific data and say, 
but the odds are, the high probability, without a vaccine, you won't, um, is you won't get sick or die, so everyone should take it. If you want no breakthroughs, then science will tell you that the vaccine will not protect you from all breakthroughs. And a small percentage have gotten sick after taking the vaccine. It all depends how you interpret the science. It's not a case of I believe in science and you don't. Also, it depends on what your end goal is. You see this in different countries. If you're in England, it can seem like live and let die. No one needs to wear a mask, go to church or restaurants without a mask, sit one inch to each other, cheers mate. And if you are on the tube, which is their name for the subway, no need to wear a mask. Yes, 30,000 a day are getting COVID in England, but deal with it. And it's mainly because they don't want to risk the economic downturn if they were to shut down. The economy is super important to them. Boosting the economy is their goal. And unlike the USA, they are 80% vaccinated. New Zealand, on the other hand, wants zero COVID cases. That's their goal. So right now, they are on strict lockdown, meaning every one of the 1.7 million people living in Auckland must remain indoors for weeks until at least September 21 which is very soon. That will tremendously hurt the economy. But they use the same scientific data to say in New Zealand, having just 33 cases of COVID in the entire country over the weekend is unacceptable because their goal is zero COVID cases. So you see it's the same science, but it's how you interpret it. And then what is your end goal? If you want zero cases, go with New Zealand. If you're more liberal at a higher number of cases and deaths, go with England, Hail Britannia. By the way, in terms of evangelism, I don't know of anyone who's become a Christian because they lost an argument. They became Christians because they felt loved and understood and accepted for who they are, complete with their faults. And I don't know of anyone who switched their COVID positions because they lost an argument. The Christian's end game should be, how do we lead people closer to Jesus? And certainly don't lose someone for God because you want to win the COVID conversation. I can tell you now, it is highly unlikely that you will argue someone into your position where they finally admit they were 100% wrong and you were 100% right. And if you think that if you just keep sending them more email links and documents to read that you'll finally win them over, you might be wasting time. No one likes to be talked at. So back to our key verse. The key verse in our passage today speaks to this. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. The wisdom from above, God's wisdom, must be free from hypocrisy. If you get into arguments about the vaccine, spoiler alert, it might reveal your hypocrisy. There may be a psychological, political reason for this hypocrisy. 
Bryant, uh, or Brant Hansen, in his great book entitled Unoffendable, talks about why Christians should not be easily offended. He quotes Yale prof law professor Dan Kehan, or Kahan, I don't know how to pronounce it, who did a study that showed that our passions and biases undermine even the most basic reasoning. I quote from an example in his book which might apply to the vaccine controversy, and I quote this. The study showed that people who are normally adept at math are suddenly unable to solve a problem when the obvious answer conflicts with their political beliefs. Depends how you look at the data, huh? This applied to both liberals and conservatives, by the way. Instead of changing our beliefs to match reality, we often just rearrange reality in our heads to match what we want. Close quote. Hypocrisy can become more prevalent. So when it comes to our conversations about COVID-19 and Delta um, mutations, please pule, please pray prior and during the conversations that you might have God's wisdom from above. For if the Holy Spirit is with you and you're trying to be led by him, then your conversations have a greater chance for you to be gentle, wise, peacemaking, and free from hypocrisy. The end goal is to be kind, gentle, and loving. Love is always the end goal. It's not to win an argument. It's always about love for the Christian. Remember the famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, starting with the first verse? If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and claim all knowledge, even about COVID, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. To be honest, church, there has been way too many noisy gongs or clanging cymbals in conversations around the state in the country, in the world. We Christ followers are supposed to be patient and kind, not arrogant or rude, and yet sometimes you might have to endure all things, including the disagreement of a friend. Whether you are for or against vaccines, both sides are using science. Both have different interpretations and different end goals and different tolerances for the spread of the virus. We need to highly respect people's differing views on this. No one should be demonized or seen as immoral or evil or stupid. Okay. Um, I promised you that I would tell you what I personally think about taking vaccines. So here it comes. Don't laugh, but now you see why I preached last week and why it's good to affirm people and not criticize them. I thought that would give me the Kevlar of Christ before I share my thoughts this week. Kevlar of Christ, what a great metaphor. Right now online, you're typing LOL. Okay. By the way, 
One of the reasons I want to talk about this is that two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, there was a huge full-page ad in the Star Advertiser newspaper that appeared at least twice. In the ad, about 100 pastors signed it and said they encourage people to get vaccinated. And people in our church wrote me asking why I didn't sign the letter supporting vaccinations. Why, they wondered, was I against the vaccines? And disappointment in me was declared. I told them, uh, when they wrote me, what I said to my wife, Pam, when I first saw the ad. I said, gee, I wonder why no one asked me to sign the ad. <laughs> Not that I'm that important. I didn't even know the ad was coming out. And as I studied the ad, they seemed to be more Episcopalians or United Church of Christ denominational churches. It also seemed that most of the largest churches in the state were not asked to sign it. And one of my friends who did sign it said his denomination emailed him and said, hey, will you sign this? So obviously, on such a big issue, our church had to figure out what we wanted for our staff. We could not not decide and just stay on the fence not to decide is still making a decision, right? I mean, golly, the Pope came out to say what he thought about it. The Dalai Lama came out. Many of the leaders of Hawaii business and healthcare companies and nonprofits spoke out. So why not me at this time? As you already know from Executive Director Chris Pan's previous announcements and Jenny's today, we chose on our church to ask all of our pastoral ministry staff, pastors, directors, coordinators to be vaccinated. That was our interpretation of the science to create a safe environment for you all. And all of our tech team is vaccinated too, and we, we want to have safe distancing with everybody here. And when people ask me if they should get vaccinated, um, I tell them, I think it's a good idea, unless your doctor tells you otherwise. It's a risk benefits decision, right? For me, it was also a math probability decision. When our country pulled out of Afghanistan recently, uh, it was noted that for the past 20 years of being there, we lost 2,401 um, armed forces personnel there. That's a lot, 2,401. Anything more than one is, is tragic for the family in our, in our country. But in just the last 18 months or so, not the last 20 years, in the last 18 months or so, we lost 670,000 Americans due to COVID. And that's like, as we were talking about it um, last week, that's like the 9-11 tragedy happening 224 times over the, just the last 18 months. It's the World Trade Center um, having planes hit them and collapsing twice a week for more, or for about 18 months in a row. It's a deadly disease. And nearly all of the 670,000 who died were not vaccinated, nor most of the nearly 42 million who got sick. If someone wants a letter from us for a religious exemption, neither our church nor our denomination gives one because there's nothing in the Christian faith in our interpretation 
that says this is a religious right for someone not to get a shot. I say this for two reasons, church history and theology. So let's look at church history. As you know, the Presbyterians were formed during the Reformation in the 1500s, where the Protestants separated from the Catholics. It was John Calvin and John Knox leading the Presbyterians, Martin Luther leading what would later be called the Lutherans, and they, among others, were the key founders of what is called the Reformation. The church was being reformed, um, <coughs> changed big time in breaking with the Catholic Church. And during this time, a plague was sweeping through Europe. The first pandemic, which was called the Black Plague, was from 1347 to 1351. But then a variant of it came back in around the 1500s. And how did Martin Luther respond to this incredible danger to society? What were Christians supposed to do? And here's what he wrote. Very well. By God's decree, the enemy has sent us poison and deadly offal. Um, that's dead animal flesh or waste. Actually, I don't know how to pronounce, is it offal or awful? I don't know. Awful? It is awful, yeah. Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to be contaminated, and thus perchance infect and pollute others, and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I've done what he has expected of me, and so I'm not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Martin Luther, 1527 AD. So, I like the balance of what Martin Luther said. He has a practical side to him. Fumigate, purify the air, take medicine, give medicine, avoid public places where he is not needed lest he infect people. He takes medicine, but also believes God protects him in the taking of medicine. However, if people are in need of help, he will be there with them, even though he might be vulnerable in getting the plague. Luther's stand has that balance element of medicine and the protection of God, avoiding public places if not important, but yet willing to be vulnerable by going out in public ministry. I think that is what our church has done and that is our history, just like Martin Luther's in 1527. We have gone out vulnerably to help people by giving tons of food to, to those in need via the food bank or the food pantry or helping wounded warriors, ohana, or other ministries. Even if it might, we might be in a contagious setting, that is ministry. For our program staff, we are vaccinated, but we don't meet in person as a staff when it's not critical. This is borrowing from church history that the Christians have always been willing to be vulnerable when helping people. It's the tradition of Father Damien, right? Here in our own state, who though he might get leprosy, went to help the lepers. 
It's a tradition of Mother Teresa, who was among the sick and the dying, even though she might get sick, being in some of the poorest and dirtiest areas of the town. And some Christians have interpreted this as meaning, even if the vaccine has side effects, even if it might not fully protect us, even if it helps society, or if it helps society, if it is for the common good, if it helps the healthcare system, if it helps the kapuna, they will take the vaccine. That's the church history side. Now I said I have a theological perspective on taking vaccines, and here it comes. This is from the 30,000 foot level. I know people have a case in not wanting the government to always tell us what to do. We want our individual rights to be respected. I get this. My rights, my body. Okay, I understand. But for me, when I became a Christian, I gave up a lot of rights, as did Jesus. As scripture says in Philippians chapter two, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave up his rights to become a slave for us and serve us even though he was God. God, the King of Kings, giving up his holy rights. He sacrificed his life for us. He was tortured. He was crucified. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But as it is, he says, my kingdom is not from here. Friends, this world... This country is not our kingdom. We live by different rules. The president isn't our king. Christ is. That doesn't mean I don't do what the president says. It means what Christ asks me to do is more important. If I interpret science to mean that even if I get sick from a shot or I'm not sure if the shot will fully protect me, if I think it will protect others and help the stress on the health care system, especially the hospitals right now, then I'll take it because I'm a servant of the Lord, not the USA, and God asks me, as we read in Jeremiah and other places, to seek the welfare of the city. I gave up my rights a long time ago. In Jesus, I don't have a right to be rich or healthy or married or successful. I don't have a right to be happy his followers, the original apostles, remember them? Almost all were martyred. Jesus was crucified. So why do I think, oh, doesn't apply to me. I have more rights than they. You and I have to decide what would create the safest environment for our church, for our state. It, would be, it won't be perfect as New Zealand is hoping for zero COVID, but we are not where England is where masks are not needed and do what you want. I know this is football season, 
And you look on the tube and, and the NFL and the NCAA say, no need masks. Sit, not six feet, six inches from each other and yell and eat and cheer and live and let live. But we have to pray, pule, and decide what our Lord really wants us to do. And your doctor, if you have special situations. Not the NFL or the NCAA, nor New Zealand, nor England, nor any political leader, past or present. This has been, I know, a heavy talk. So I'm going to end with a funny story. It's a travel story. I don't give travel stories, but I thought I'd do one for this. So gather around the fireplace and hear Grandpa tell a story. But it's going to make sense in the end, I hope. In July, I was asked to be the keynote speaker in Colorado for Wycliffe Translators, a ministry that tries to ultimately translate every people's group's language into the Bible. They wanted me to speak to their major donors. It's a ministry we heavily support as we believe the Bible is important and we Americans should not hoard God's word. We should get it out to everybody. A horrible thing happened on the night I was supposed to speak. Starting at lunch, the soles of my shoes started to fall apart. Everywhere I walked, a piece of my soul was left on the ground. It started with the heel and then spread. I was told actually at McCulley Bike Shop two months ago, they said, if you don't wear your shoes for a year, the glue will start dissolving and your shoe will fall apart. I thought, oh, that's ludicrous. I didn't believe him. I'd, but I had not worn my dress shoes for a year due to COVID. But golly, it was true. Dan's shoes fell apart. It was all over the place. Here a Dan, there a Dan, everywhere a Dan Dan. Well, it became quite the joke with the Wycliffe staff because they knew where I had been all day. They saw bits of my soul and heels in the lobby, in the gift shop, in the hallways to my room, in the elevator, in the, in wherever I ate. Dan was all over, they said. And just before I was to give my evening keynote address, the CEO of Wycliffe came up to me and said he had a present for me. And I thought, oh, cool, a gift for the speaker, maybe an honorarium, maybe it was like something else. He wrapped up. He presented to me my entire heel <laughs> that I had been looking for to hopefully glue back on before I spoke. But there is no time now. And I had pretty much lost my soles on both shoes. And, I, and so I preached that night with no heels and holes in my soles. I kept like this. I don't know why I was preaching that way. Later that night, more of the guests and the Wycliffe staff found pieces of my soul. So, my metaphorical point is this. Wherever you go, wherever you have conversations, you leave a part and even a trail of your personality, your faith, your soul. And I pray that whatever trail you are leaving is always one that is kind and loving and affirming and respectful of people's positions that might be way different from yours. You have a right to believe what you want, but respect other people's beliefs. Everyone, including the government, the Department of Health, the FDA, the CDC, healthcare experts, I believe they're just trying their best. 
And if they make mistakes, I say it's like the fog of war. When the pandemic hit, there was confusion on all sides, and we haven't been hit with something like this for many, many, many years. We're not at our best in any war. And things can get messy and even contradictory. But as people who claim that we follow Jesus Christ, may we walk to the beat of a different drummer, the Lord, the perfect leader, who by his life showed he was a servant, willing to do the ultimate. He suffered and died for us. So I want to close by reading again that passage from the Bible, from the book of Philippians, which talks about the Lord we claim to follow. And when you listen to this, it's also my prayer for you all. And here's what it says in the second chapter. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind in you that, that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow or bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, these are hard times. It's confusing times. And I pray that your spirit will really fill us and guide us. There are some who are watching online or maybe here in the sanctuary who are saying, wow, Lord, you are amazing and I want to be a follower of you. I want to be a Christ follower. And if this is what it means for justice and the changing of my ways, then I want to be on the team. And so I'm going to lead us now in a prayer for some of you to make that first time commitment or some of you to make a recommitment to say, Ben, I got to get back online because I need to follow you, not a human, not a political party but I gotta follow you, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm just gonna lead us in a simple prayer of sorry and thank you and please. And some of you may wanna say this prayer with me in the silence of your hearts. Lord, sorry that maybe I've been a little off and I've been not really focused on you and not trying to follow you. 
And maybe I've been ignoring you for years and I just happened to drop in today in person or online and, or just the last few weeks. And, and so Lord, I, I do want to make a commitment that I want to follow you in every area of my life. I really do want you as Lord. And so please come into my life. As we said earlier, may the presence of your spirit really reside in my heart. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving me for forgetting you or ignoring you. And for those who are recommitting, may they, may they say, if they so desire, Lord, sorry that maybe I was off track, maybe I was a dilettante, a dabbler, but man, I got to put this whole area under your lordship too. So thank you for always forgiving me and please come into my life in a richer and fuller way that I realize the power of your name. So we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Before I give the final blessing and uh, benediction for you all, um, I just wanted to say that some of you might want some prayer, and we do have our prayer team out through the uh, corner um, glass doors and outside in a very confidential, peaceful place outside, and they would love to lift up for you any prayer concern you might have, whether it's physical, spiritual, or emotional, and prayer really works, and miraculous things happen, so please take advantage of that if you so desire. Some of you online, you may want to go into those connect groups, and you'll see a button for that, so if you hit that right after we end the service, boom, you'll be put in a connect group with a facilitator, and it's a time for you to kind of debrief or go deeper on um, the sermon that you just heard. And now I have a blessing for all of you. So uh, please stand and receive this final blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Hope you'll be with us next week. And we look forward to meeting you again. Ahui ho. God bless. Bye-bye. The stance of a Christian in many, if not all, controversial topics should be to understand, be peaceful, and ultimately to act in a way that attracts others to Jesus. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous sermons, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. In-person worship continues, but in limited capacity. There are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. If you'd like to participate, we ask that you sign up through the website on a weekly basis, and both services will be streamed live on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Please continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, registration for in-person worship, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening.
This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.